Welcome to the You Can Have It All podcast to create a successful business and a thriving family. I am your host, Mona Tavassili. Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Can Have It All. As mentioned in the previous episode, I have dedicated the month of March to showcase some of the most inspiring and powerful women that I've met at Vital Voices since I started their programs in 2015. You can learn all about Vital Voices in my previous episode. In this episode in our Women on a Mission series, I had the pleasure to interview Kiran Birsethi, the founder and director of Riverside School and the Riverside Education Foundation. Kiran's story is a very unique and interesting one. She's a designer who became a teacher, a principal who grew into an education reformer and subsequently morphed into a social entrepreneur. A trained graphic designer, she comfortably uses a language of design, iteration, prototype, design specs to develop not only curriculum innovation, but also community-based social programs. After graduating from the National Institute of Design, Ahmedabad, India in 1989, Kiran successfully ran her own graphic design firm for over a decade. She moved into education when she founded the Riverside School in Ahmedabad in 2001 which is now viewed as a laboratory to prototype design processes that enables transformative student learning experiences. Kiran is also the founder of Approach, an initiative to make our cities more child-friendly, for which she was awarded the Ashoka Fellow in 2008. In 2009, she received the Call to Conscience Award by the King Center at Stanford. In 2009, Kiran launched Design for Change, which uses a simple four-step design framework, FIDS, Feel, Imagine, Do, Share, to cultivate the I Can mindset in all children. Today, Design for Change is the world's largest movement of change, of and by children, and is in 60-plus countries, impacting over 2.2 million children and 65,000 teachers. Over the years, Kiran Riverside and Design for Change have won several accolades and awards, including meeting the Pope in the Vatican to sign an agreement whereby Design for Change is being introduced to over 460,000 Catholic schools across the globe. I am so excited to share this interview with you. I have Kiran here from Riverside, and she has a very interesting program, Design for Change. Kiran, I'm so happy to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Mona. Extremely excited to be with you. So this is also one part of the VV Leads program, and Kiran is one of the ambassadors of this program. Your trainings have been very useful, and it was a pleasure having you as part of the program. We learned a lot from you. Thank you. And I know you have a flight today. Yeah. <laughs> Everything has been so back-to-back -back amongst us, but the, now it's over, and it was uh, an awesome program. I hope you enjoyed it as well as much as we yeah, did. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was full. I feel like I was on a roller coaster because it was Wasn't just it so like much, you know. And I think uh, I'm going back feeling that I have to now process mm. and breathe a little. So I think on, it's the right time to have a flight because I, I can just... Relax you know, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and reflect on this uh, this experience. Which is one of the things that we learned, the reflection, yeah. so important. Uh, Kiran, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, and what made you start? Well, um, I grew up in the south of India, in Bangalore, and I had uh, memories of having an awesome childhood. Okay, so I really had amazing. amazing. I went to the school, but I don't think I learned very much, but I just had fun going to the school. Mm. So my memories of growing up 
were extremely, I mean, it was a home filled with love and laughter and light, you know, so it was just a lot of that. And when I turned 17, I, uh, I pursued design as my career. So in fact, I wanted to be a doctor and uh, by chance I got into uh, design, but I remember walking into the design college for the first time and feeling so much happiness saying, this is what learning should feel like. Mm. I could breathe for the first time. And uh, I had a really, really spectacular experience in my college, then graduated, uh, started my own design firm, was, ha was completely happy, you know, designing restaurants and brands, etc. And then I became a mum. And then uh, my whole life changed. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, 27 years ago, I remember, and um, and I, f I fell in love again with my son. You know, I remember holding him in my arms and feeling just so much love. And and I remember thinking to myself, promising him that he will have a wonderful life and that, you know, that his life will matter. I mean, I remember spontaneously having that that feeling that I will promise my son this. Well, uh, when he was ready to go to school, I, as just about everybody, we said, okay, well, my husband had gone to that particular school, so mm. my husband turned out fine. <laughs> I mean, there was no problem. So without thinking very much, I put him into that same school. It was an all-boys school, and I didn't rem think twice about figuring out that he would be one of 50 children in the class. And none of those really registered. You know, you just go with the flow. True. But very soon I realized, my God, this just doesn't make sense. The teacher didn't even know his name. Uh, you know, oh. three months into uh, the program, I went. Remember asking her, "What do you think? What, what does my son like to do? Who are his friends?" And she looks at me and says, "What is his role number?" Literally, mm. and, and he just become that a number in a school with no name, no stories. And I think, and again, not thinking too much at that point, it was just a response to say, "No, this is not what I signed up for." So, with, without too much of thinking, I just removed him for school. I said. I can do a better job. And that's really how it started. And so when was that? Like how many years or months? Uh, well, uh, I started the school in 2001, so it's going to be 18 years. Okay. And yeah, so um, I started in my home. And I remember the very first day that I was taking potential parents to say that I have a school. Come, I will tell you, I'm not joking. I was getting ready to leave the home at 8.45 in the morning. It was 26th of Jan, 2001 and the earthquake hit the biggest earthquake that hit my state hit on that day at that very moment and everything collapsed i remember the teacher who was going to start the school with me left the parents who could leave the state left and uh, literally after two months put things back together and and then opened doors in uh, 2001 in june with 25 children Kiran, you made it sound so easy. Like my son was going to the school and then I decided that he won't go to that school and then I started a school as if like, I don't know, I went to the shop and bought a new school and came back. Yeah. It, it's not that yeah, easy. It is. You see, but I'll tell you something, Amona, I did not think I was doing a big job. Okay, so it was not like I'm changing education. Had I thought that way, I probably would have been intimidated by the scale of what I was setting out to do. For me, it was just a simple idea of a mother and her child. So I took the piece that I felt I had the skills or uh, the kind of capabilities to respond to. I didn't think, oh, school, building. I knew that I had a, a little home that I was not living in. I realized that it didn't matter. For some strange reason, I didn't recognize the enormity of what I was setting out to do. It was just um, 
in terms of scale, it was just my home and those those children. Mm. And I was in no hurry. So I was not saying, oh my God, I'm going to start a school overnight. I took it a year at a time. And it, it took me 10 years to reach grade 10. So it was a slow process. And so with every year I was learning. So the, the learning experience uh, was so exciting that the fact that I was on this changing education journey didn't even factor in. So I think my focus was so on the now and making sure that I was learning alongside that 17 years ago have gone by and then wow. I still feel that, wow, I'm, 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 I'm setting this and I'm, I'm realizing uh, how this happens. So let's take you to year one. Yeah. For example, as a mother now, we've talked with my husband a couple of times about homeschooling. But I, I mean, starting a school is not even an option that yeah. comes to your mind just like that. So homeschooling maybe. But what made you think about other kids apart from your own child? Because th that's yeah. a huge responsibility as well. And how did you put the curriculum together, for well, example? Well, uh, actually, let me just give you a little bit of that between leaving the school and yes, starting please. my school, right? So I, I took him out in 1997, around 1998. I took him out of the school. Uh, and then what happened was um, I was still figuring out where I will start my school. And it just so happened that friends of mine had started this wonderful new school. So I remember mm. putting him there for the first two years. Okay. And, uh, and they invited me to become the principal of the school. So it was a motley group of passionate youngsters who said we could make a difference. Mm. Uh, what happened was in, in two years or so, we all left that particular school. And I went back to, again, uh, uh, just my design uh, field. And at that time, a couple of the parents who knew me, a couple of my friends who had seen me at that school said, Kiran, you, you have to start, you know. I mean, it, it, you can't not, you know, uh, start school. And I kept thinking that, you know, this is, uh, it's a huge commitment as well. But I think I got, I felt ready because I re remember thinking to myself, I can take it slow and I, I could start. So it really was that little window of opportunity I got between taking my son out, having a little bit of an experience uh, being part of a school setup, and then starting my own and uh, in my home. So um, when you talk about curriculum, when you talk about that, I think coming from a design mindset, mm. you never really set out thinking, uh, let me just do what is being done. I, I think the, the freedom of questioning the status quo was such a wide open canvas. So the question of why does it make sense? Does it really matter? Who said timetables are important? Mm. So the, the complete freedom of questioning what everybody said you had to do and it had to be done became the great journey. So we kept asking ourselves, does it matter? I mean, and we kept listening to the children. And so our children really became our experts. So we kept observing them, listening to them, asking them, does this make learning happen? And so I think that that user-centered, I keep talking about the, going back to the user, and then of course uh, supporting it with the theories of education. I kept learning a lot. Me and my team dove right into just immersing ourselves into learning and reading and understanding. But we kept it true to the child. We kept going back to the child and again getting our insights from the child. So where 10 years and 15 years went, it's and where are we today? Tell us, give us a picture right? about today. As today, well. of course, we uh, we have got five batches of graduates into the into wow. uh, into the world. We uh, then subsequently in two thousand and nine 
took the same formula in a way that we were using at Riverside mm. and packaged it as design for change, using, yeah, sprinkling design thinking into the world. Uh, today, that is now in over 65 countries. Wow. So, but when I started, at no point did I think that this would, this would be this. So, I didn't, people keep asking me, Kiran, did you have a five-year plan? No, I didn't. Mm. I think plans are very limited. Took one step at a time. Yeah. Well, I, I, I keep thinking that you, if you tell yourself, oh, in five years I'll do this, either you're shortchanging yourself or you're, 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 you know, you're not realizing what your capacities could be. So I find that uh, whilst I have a landscape of where we're going, mm. I don't put uh, three-year and five-year plans. Uh, so I find that the freedom of, of figuring out what the cap capacities are. And where is the school? In Ahmedabad, in India. Is that one school that you have? I have the one school, yes. And then, the, but you give the Design program. for Change program to uh, how many students are using that well, program? Well, uh, it's, it's an open source program. Yeah. It's in uh, 65 countries. At last call, I think we had reached 2 million children. Wow, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, very it's impressive. Quite, uh, humbling. And is this something that, for example, our listeners can benefit from? Oh, yes, absolutely, because it is so simple and contextual. Mm. So anybody listening, I would recommend, please uh, go and visit dfcworld.com, Design for Change, dfcworld.com. And I'll add that in the show notes as yeah. well. And uh, feel free to explore the site. The material is downloadable. It's in 17 languages. Wow. If you are listening from a certain country, supposing you're in Taiwan, or if you're listening in, or you're listening in from, say, South Africa, or maybe in the US, uh, you'll find that you'll, you'll be able to uh, go to that country partner, the site. Okay. And then you can participate in that country. If you're not, if you, if you drop down in the menu of countries and you find that yeah, your country does not feature, feel free to get in touch with us. Or just feel free to download the material and so submit what, what your does story. the participant do? So do they have like workshops with your partners that they No, hold? the easiest, lowest hanging way to enter yeah. into Design for Change is, is to download the material mm -hmm. and just follow the toolkit. Okay. It's a simple toolkit. Uh, the framework is feel, imagine, do and share. We call it FIDS for kids. And uh, the only advice and recommendation I'll give any adult who's using this uh, framework with with their children is to listen and not tell. So to just do is when you when the children are mapping their world or their immediate environment to say what bothers them, respect that, and l then f l just step back and see the I can superpower that comes up. And what is the age group that we're talking about? Our, uh, for the work of Design for Change, we are uh, keeping it from 8 years to 13 years okay. because we find that's really where habits of mind gets planted as a seed. But having said that, in different countries, even IB students have used it, older kids have used it, teachers use it as a framework for their own planning, young executives have used it. So we find that the, the, the framework is so versatile mm. and so universal that anybody can kind of fit into that. And if the listeners cannot find a partner, um, they should get in touch with you if they want to be one yes. of the partners. And then what will happen? Like, what are the things that you provide to your partners? Well, uh, for the first two years, we invite them to come on as a champion. Okay. Again, this has got no monetary exchange. It's completely free. So once you, you go through um, the material and you feel excited about checking this and s fitting it for your size, get in touch with us. The DFC global team will onboard you with material, depending on your uh, wherever you are, if there is material in your language mm. for instance a lot of the latin american countries find spanish as their uh, toolkit so we have a lot of spanish material also so we either provide you with that 
in case we don't have that language, we will uh, give you an open source uh, file for the toolkit where you can just convert uh, into your language specifications. And pretty much you start from there. So we will give you a Skype onboarding. So okay. it's very simple. We give you uh, the website uh, 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 sort of back-end support. For the first two years, we're saying feel free to test it for size with no deadlines, mm. no you know, massive uh, sort of um, deliverables. Just test it, uh, try it with a couple of schools, share the information. And then in two years, if you feel that this fits you well uh, and you'd like to become a formal partner, uh, we will be delighted. You make everything sound so easy. So yeah, I started a school <laughs> and then you have a curriculum that is impacting 2 million children, 65 countries. These are huge, Kiran. And it's, these are all free, right? Yes, yes. So tell me what is that drive? What is, why do you do what you do? And what is that impact that you want to have in the society? What is my drive? Uh, I think uh, when I started, I, it, it was just a simple uh, promise. Mm. It was a promise that I remember holding my son and then subsequently my daughter in my arms to say that you must grow into the world believing that your life matters for more than just yourself. And, uh, and I keep saying that we're not entitled to our lives. We, we live into the world and, and live out uh, a promise into the world. So I think when I, started, when I started the school, I realized that that was fundamental for every child. The mm -hmm. idea that a child should believe that their fundamental promise and, and, and presence on the planet, um, our, uh, the adult's promise should be that to make sure that a child uh, lives out their life in the best way that they can. And it's two simple words, I can. It's simply that. It is to tell children they can. They can choose, they can have a say, they have a voice that matters. Schooling often limits that. The traditional schooling system, I keep saying in the first two years of our children's life on the planet, they tell us, look at us. They go mm. from crawling to sitting to standing to walking to laughing to thinking in the first two years of, on, the, on this planet. And then they go to school. And then we say, no, you can't. You have to sit down. You have to listen. And we do that for 15 years. And then we're surprised as a, as a country, as a world, my God, what are these young adults doing? So I think that's really, so I, I believe that when I saw it in my own school, when I saw it then in the first year of Design for Change, seeing it as a fundamental belief system for any child, independent of where they stayed, what language they spoke, what demographics there are. A child is a child and they have the power. So unleashing that uh, was exciting. So give us an example of how is your school different? Is this something that you can give us a practical well, I, I, I keep saying it's not different. I think it's just that the fact that children believe that they can make a difference. Mm. And, and I think that co-creation is at the heart of Riverside's process. So we don't uh, uh, design for the children. We say if there's a process, if there is an evaluation, if there is a learning moment, we invite you into that space and we collaborate with you. So in that invitation comes negotiations and ownership. Mm. So that makes the journey a lot more, so a child cannot say, oh, teacher told me to do this, right? So if they've taken ownership, if they've co-created that moment, then uh, it's no longer a blame game or a complaining. Yeah, well, that's, we've taken ownership and we're going ahead with this. I find that that co-creation and that ownership brings a great sense of well-being to a child. 
they start realizing that they've taken a choice and they are participating in uh, uh, the journey. So no longer can you complain or blame, right? So whilst you might not all have it as you wanted, you'll, re re you'll understand the art of negotiation, the art of collaboration, the art of letting go sometimes. And all these are fundamental skills that you need in, in the world. True. But we don't necessarily teach it. They're not necessarily taught intentionally in schools. Mm. It becomes sometimes by hook, the project might make you uh, learn it. I think we've just reversed that. We've said that's core curricula. That's at the heart of the curriculum. Everything else which you can learn by yourself can be done like, you know, Khan Academy can teach you math. What do I need to be there for? So essentially what we're realizing is that what a child can learn by themselves, we should not be teaching them. But what they need others for, what they need an adult for, what they need uh, maybe a, a team for, that's what educational schooling should be spending most of its time on. I mean, shared an example of, I don't know if the video is, is uh, open to public, so I yes, can share uh, it on the show notes. Yeah. When do you ask them to design a jewelry? And the first time that you saw the jewelry, you said, no, this one is too tight. Yeah. And that broke my heart at that. I was like, how oh, can you, you know, tell yeah. a seven-year-old that what they made is not good yeah, enough? Not. That was my immediate impression because when my son, for example, creates something, for me, that is wow. So I always go to, to with that mindset of, wow, this is so fantastic. But you really taught me a lesson. You were really, um, you were not sugarcoating anything. You told them this is tight, this is not good. And then, but product like the couple of times that they worked on it it was such a big difference that it showed me the potential of children and you tap into that potential yeah yeah i think uh, we uh, i keep saying we put filters in the way we understand yeah. children like it's gender or age or demographics and i think we do the greatest disservice when we patronize our children oh poor thing oh so awesome and then they'll they will never live out to who they are. i keep saying the first two years they're telling you look at me i'm amazing I do the most amazing evolutionary ideas in the first two years. I'm learning to speak, run, talk, think in the first two years. And then I get into a year school and say, no, 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 no. And then we say, oh, you poor thing. That's all you can do. That's great. That's not good enough. So I think uh, engaging with them, with the respect that they bring with themselves is amazing. And when you give that respect and then they respect themselves more, they recognize that they're capable of so much more. Uh, and I believe they live into their potential. And it's not like you told them what to do, you just no. guided them. So in that video that I recommend everyone to watch, it was really interesting for him because it's not like you still kept their creativity, so they were the one who were doing it, but they needed some guidance and yes. you provided that guidance basically to them. Yeah, it was just scaffolding. You, you open up the doors and you walk with them through them. Kiran, do you have a story, personal or professional, failure or success story that gave you one of the biggest lessons, something that you want to share with us? Well, uh, I, in my head, and I, and I think I, I've, I've repositioned success and failure uh, in, in my life because I just feel it's such a social construct. People mm -hmm. tell you you're successful or, or the world tells you you're a failure. Uh, for me, I, I, I think it's ownership and responsibility, it's choices. Uh, so if the choice I've taken uh, doesn't necessarily uh, give the result that um, one would have thought, it's not a failure. It's just taking uh, the responsibility and saying, okay, then I might have to take another choice. So over time, I've re-framed uh, 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 it for myself. Uh, so 
I, I look at it as times when maybe the choice was not well thought out as much no. or given the time to think out as much. Uh, but they still are choices. So they're not failures. Uh, so this is a responsibility. If it didn't work well, I have to take the responsibility that either I did not uh, uh, give it either the time or the attention. It can't be a failure, right? And I think- So much wisdom here. No, I, 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 that's True. what yeah. I see it, right? Similarly, success is not, I mean, uh, the world puts these labels and titles, etc. I think it's just, again, sometimes I feel when I receive an award, I find what am I receiving it for? I mean, mm. nothing I've done has been so dramatic that um, it would uh, it account for that. But please, I, <laughs> no, I take it though with the sense to say it gives me the opportunity and the platform to exercise a more influence. Mm. It, it gives me the opportunity that somebody exactly. now who would not have opened the door would probably open the door, and that means that the responsibility for the work I do has an additional um, opening to. Uh, to further it. And you can have a bigger impact. Yeah, all uh, of the resources yes. like money, yes. fame, power, yeah, these are all yeah. the resources that can magnify. Yeah, what I've learned sometimes yeah. it's not what you do, but who you know. Mm. That will start, uh, at one point you'll say, it's not what you know, but who you know. And the who you know comes from what you know. And the, the, so I find that those are great springboards to, uh, to, uh, uh, to further the, the work. So you have a daughter and a son. Yes. Right? And how old are they now? My son is now 27 and okay. my daughter is 23. Wow. And they both work at the school part-time. Oh, wow. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And tell me about this, uh, the curriculum, actually, I wanted to ask you. Is this something that you recommend the audience, for example, uh, replace the school or is it like an extra curriculum? No, After actually, school. Uh, if schools, if anybody in the audience is hearing and they're a school or they are interested in looking at what we can do with schools, we do a lot of training. So Riverside has now got a, a, a training arm as well. And that we do pretty phenomenal uh, training. So we help schools either transform their whole school. Sometimes we help schools just take a part of it. You can choose to fit it into your existing structure with as much immersion as you want. It could okay. be just a workshop for teachers. It could be maybe replacing one of your practices with one of our practices. Some schools decide that, no, I'd love the culture, mm. right? So I'm a great fan of the word culture. I feel that's really what plants the seeds of mindsets. Um, and um, and I would say that that's where we do our best work. How about individuals? Individuals, well, they, uh, I would invite them to come to the school first. I would say come, just do a visit. We have what we call study tours. You can just get onto one of the study tours and come in and, and uh, you know, just take, get a taste of what we do. And I think what happens, so we, we constantly get people who come to visit the school now because it become, it's become kind of like a reference point for education. And, and I think when they come to school, then they realize, oh, we would like to do this or that or whatever. So I think a great entry is to come visit. Uh, and it's a great place. Ahmedabad has the Gandhi Ashram as well. So Oh, wow. Yes, that's oh, really that's, that, that's the, the state where Gandhi was born. So for us, it's a massive legacy. That's huge. Of course. Um, and for people who are just downloading the material, is that something that like how many hours do you think they should spend a day? Well, uh, for the design for change material, yeah, uh, that uh, uh, the lowest is is we'd say just take a week, maybe an hour a week. Okay, that's it. Yeah, an hour a week. Okay. Yes. So there are three versions of the curriculum. There's a one week, there's a one month, and there's there's a thirty hour curriculum. So you can choose whichever version you. That's want. one of the actions I'm gonna take as soon as I go yes. back to Canada <laughs> for sure. Please. So going back to your, you so you have a son and you have a daughter, and they're now they're part of your life, right? Yes. That's th they are my life. 
Yeah. The reason that you started is yeah. because of your son. Every uh, the, your journey started. Yeah. So tell me about the early years when your daughter, for example, was born. How did you manage between your personal and professional life and all the amazing things that you're doing? Well, uh, when my uh, till I think my daughter was possibly, um, I think two or two and a half. Uh, I was still running my design firm, so I, I and I okay. had taken the choice of working from home uh, because I am married to I am married to a sportsman. So at that time, when my my husband uh, was at his peak, he's a nine-time world billiards champion. Wow! Yeah, so he was at his absolute peak. So he was traveling all the time for the world title. So I had chosen at that point that one parent will will be at home, and I loved being a mother. I think I'm the awesomest mother in the world. I'm sure so, you are. Um, so I worked from home. So one of my rooms was my office. So I enjoyed just being around uh, them. Then subsequently, then when my uh, when I started the school, my daughter was the first student because my son was slightly older, and, and so she was with me all the time. In the school as well, uh, and then my son started. Uh, he started teaching in the school very early. Uh, whenever he would come come back, he would kind of cheese. So, in a way, it became like a family enterprise. Uh, so, such a harmony, right? Yeah, and it, it it's good and bad simply because I think my uh, I my daughter sometimes got the short end of the stick because she was at my school. Mm. So I, I have recalled and she will tell you with great amount of uh, delight that I was harder on her, you know, uh, in, in the school. But uh, I just think it was wonderful to be around her and to, to see her grow. It's, it's been very special. That is so amazing because I, I have met a lot of women and especially mothers and a lot of us are are living with the feeling of shame and blame and guilt. You're sitting here in front of me and see, saying, "I'm the awesomest mom. <laughs> I love that, Kiran. Totally, absolutely. <laughs> you know that confidence and that's being comfortable in our skins. Yeah. You know, um, that's just amazing. Yeah, very inspirational. Yeah, I, 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 somebody else was asking me in the VV lead, "Do you feel guilt?" I said, "Not at all. I don't feel guilt because again, I keep telling myself these are choices I've taken. Exactly. So if you take a choice, then I mean, nobody put a gun on my head to say the number of hours I have to work. I've taken those choices, and I had, and I keep staying, saying that I had a luxury of that. Sometimes I think uh, mothers don't have don't that have luxury. luxury but I chose to be an entrepreneur. I chose to start in my home. So in many ways, I didn't start successful. If that's that's the word one has to. I mean, I remember for the when I started my design studio, nobody gave me work for the longest time. Hmm. I, I was not in any hurry. I, I remember thinking to myself, now I find that there's a hurry. I want to do it now. I want to get all of this now. I don't think I put any timelines. I just enjoyed, and I, uh, my son, my husband was not earning very much in billiards. You don't uh, earn very much. It's a game that is just about excellence. But I can't remember not being happy, and not being uh, totally um, joyful with my children. I can't remember. So I, 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 it was a slow story. It's it simmered and it and it grew and it flowed and and at, and then when I started working, I started working insane hours. I worked. I mean, and I know that it took a toll on me, possibly my kids, everything. But it's not a toll built on guilt or shame. But there's something about you, Kiran, which is contagious, and <laughs> that happiness that you bring, that joy that you bring, with your dance, with your wisdom, and. Uh, it means that you don't have like you don't have emotional baggages. Yeah. 
So yeah. that makes you know being around you so comfortable. I travel quite light. Mm. Uh, even uh, on a personal level, you know, people will give cards and stuff. I I'm not a hoarder, so I don't I don't carry. I think for me, um, memories are are fantastic, and I'll keep those. But I prefer traveling light into the world. Yeah, I think there's enough heaviness anyway. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to add to it. I know I can talk for hours with you. And I'm sure that we'll continue this conversation again another time, maybe in Canada or somewhere else. But I know you have a flight yes. to catch and we have to be in the lobby very soon as well for our uh, tour, Mumbai tour, which I'm very yeah, excited I, yeah, about. Yeah. <laughs> you have to go. Yes, absolutely. Um, but tell me what is your, so I have only a few other questions, but these are the short questions. Tell me what is your favorite motto? At these moments, I feel my favorite motto is I have only today. Mm, that's very deep, actually. And uh, do you have some daily routines? Uh, that puts you on top of your game? I don't know if it's a routine, but while my children were staying at home, right now they stay uh, in their own homes, but I would never leave the house without hugging and kissing them and telling mm -hmm. them I love them. So I find that that is just, I have to do that. And now luckily since I meet them, then they come to school, uh, my first response is to hug them and say I love you. Then I might fire them, <laughs> you know, for some work <laughs> or whatever. I might kind of start being the boss or the employer. But I always, my primary response is that of a mother. Hmm. Uh, even to all the children at school, my primary response is that of a mother, then a designer, then an educator. So I, I respond with that. So I think that gives me a sense of balance that I've told my children on a daily basis that I love them. Very nice. Do you have any tips for our audience, especially mothers? One I would I would recommend, which actually is not my tip, but I learned it. I was watching actually Oprah Winfrey speak to, I think it was Toni Morrison. And Toni Morrison had said something very wise, and I, I remember that being a wake-up call to me. She said, we mothers have the mother face, which is always a frown when we look at our children. When, we, when our children walk into the door, our first frown is, why is your shoe dirty? Why is your uniform dirty? What do you have uh, homework? You know, it's the it's mm. the mother face. Critical. Yeah, it's always yeah. critical. Um, and we think our job is to make our kids better, right? And I think uh, to show your children that first face of a smile to say, you're in my life, and I think that's wonderful. And then, of course, you can do the mother face. Mm. But I would say the first thing when they, you open the door to them or you're greeting them or you're letting them go from you, they must see this face of a mother whose life is filled with joy when because she has them. They must. I've seen too often things go bad where a child might pass on or whatever in the, the last memory. Or I've seen mothers feel very guilty, saying, my God, the last thing I told my child was get up, do the homework. So I find that if you can give that memory to a child of a, of a face that is smiling and a face joyful, it's a good thing to do. I have a suggestion for you, Karan. I think actually you should start a podcast. <laughs> and I'll listen to that podcast every day. <laughs> I just want an education, yeah. <laughs> but I'm being actually very serious because yeah. you have so much wisdom yeah. that um, especially for younger mothers who are just dealing with motherhood. And now there are so many responsibilities that we give to women. Now with social media, they're always comparing. Yeah. Somebody's on a stage, somebody's winning an award, somebody. And we take motherhood lightly sometimes. And that's when I see within our community, mothers who are in tears that I'm not good enough 
But motherhood on its own, it's the biggest responsibility. And I believe that we have to share all of these small tips that make yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. Um, Karan, tell us about the design thinking. And for someone who has never even heard of design thinking, yeah. what is that mindset? At Riverside and, uh, and of course, we're designed for change. We use the design thinking mindset uh, that we build on. In a, in a very simple way, I, keep, uh, I will say that whilst a lot of the other thinking tells you what to do and how to do it, design thinking starts by asking who is it for and why is it important. So the who and the why will shape the what and the how. So if you can follow that process, you're, you're ensuring you're more likely to make the user experience better. Otherwise, we focus on a product or the end game and we forget what it is and who is it for. So I think the word that I will use for design thinking is intentionality. Okay, so we are almost done with the, with the interview. Just one final question. Tell me one thing that others don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I am petrified of lizards. I love French fries. And I am a great fan of a film actor called Govinda who's a mad film actor in India. <laughs> Amazing. I love that when I ask people to tell me one, they usually give me like three and four. It means that like nobody asked them before. <laughs> they just want to tell all of them. <laughs> and I'm going to add all of the links on the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to add? Well, for uh, my school website is schoolriverside.com. Perfect. Uh, dfcworld.com. And another initiative I had started in 2007 to make cities child-friendly is approach.org. A-P-R-O-C-H, okay. a protagonist in every child, is an acronym for that, .org, where we work with the municipality and the police to make cities more child-friendly. Wow, I didn't even know about that. Yeah, that that, that requires another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll add all of these links in the show yeah. notes. And thank you so much for giving me your time. It's a pleasure knowing you and being able to sit with you. And I mean that, Kiran. Thank you so much. I'm confident that you feel inspired after hearing Kiran's interview. She's a true example that one person can make change happen. A personal need that became an international curriculum. Kiran is certainly a force for good. She believes in good deeds. And I have so much respect for her for everything she has done for our world. Make sure to check the links on the show notes and I can't wait to share another inspiring story from the Vital Voices family with you in the next episode. Keep inspiring and shining.